Today we're talking about, uh, today we're in, the, we're in the last of the series that we've been going through, this unbalanced series, and today we're talking about something very clear, very simple, put it like this, that unbalanced people, we might even put it on ourselves and say that unbalanced Christians, we spend most of our time judging people, or that becomes something that we do a lot of, condemning people. So unhealthy or unbalanced people uh, judge other people's journeys. Now, we do this all the time. We, we make snap judgments. You'll meet somebody. You ever meet somebody and you're like, I don't like that guy? And you, Come on now. You ever meet that person, somebody, and you're like, I really like that person. They're really nice. You've only known them for five seconds. This guy could be a serial killer, but you've already decided you like him. He could be the nicest guy in the world. You decided you hated him. Right? We, we make these snap judgments, and it makes sense that we would do this, right? Because... Our lives are formed by our past. And in our past, we were wounded by certain people. Maybe they had more money than you. Maybe they dressed differently than you. Maybe they were different color skin than you. Maybe they had an accent. Maybe they didn't. Maybe it was a man. Maybe it was a woman. Maybe it was an adult. Maybe it was a teenager. We have all these things that happened to us in the past, and we carry that baggage with us. So we encounter somebody that's like that. Immediately, we're making snap judgments. And that makes sense because it's important that we as human beings are able to distinguish between friend and foe, right? So let's just be comfortable with a second of the fact that we're all judgy McJudgertons, and that's fairly natural, right? That's fairly natural. It makes a lot of sense that we would do this. And yet it causes all sorts of problems because what it means is that if you've already prejudged this person, you're going to make sweeping grand generalizations about who that person is and what they believe and what they're like and what they're worth, I'll never forget um, uh, a time in our life where um, we were really having a hard time. We couldn't make ends meet. It didn't matter how many shifts. I picked up all the extra shifts I could. We couldn't, we couldn't make the money work out. Um, my faith was really struggling. Anybody ever have a struggle with their faith in times that are hard? I think we talked about that this morning. Brad already preached up here, and he did a great job, and he spoke great things. God's holding your eyelids open. What a weird line. I love that line, by the way. Holding your eyelids open. But, but we're in this moment where, where we're suffering. And so because we can't, we can't make ends meet, we end up on government assistance. And we go into church Sunday morning. We're sitting in our Sunday school class, about 20 people around. And we suddenly, I don't remember how we got on this topic, but eventually politics comes up. And we sat, uh, my wife and I sat in a five-minute echo chamber about how everyone on government assistance is lazy, won't work. Um, the Democrats are with them, and they're all ruining the country, and we're just sitting listening to this. It's not like we have enough shame already that we're dealing with this, but here it is, the church speaking that guilt back into our lives. And these are not terrible people, because some of y'all are sitting there, those are terrible people. No, they're not. They're beautiful. The beautiful children of God who are just as broken as I am, but they never walked in my shoes. And so they said things they didn't mean. And if I stood up and I said, hey, listen, guys, here is my experience. Here is what I am dealing with. Here's what we're, our family's going through. And this is why we're in this spot. They would have said, we were wrong. You know, th this is not what we meant at all. But I didn't do that. Did I? And brothers and sisters, because if you're a Christian here, you've been in a room where either you have heard that or participated in it. Imagine for a moment if I wasn't a believer and I was seeking for Jesus. I would have never heard a word of grace again. We must be very careful with the things that we say. 
We must be very careful with the judgments that we make and the experiences that we have because our experiences are so deeply diverse. They're so different. And in order to be a kind of people that could embody anything like Jesus, we must be patient enough with one another to listen and to bear with one another and to be open to being wrong or to be open to the fact that my experience might not be true for everyone else in the entire world. In fact, I think this is the very reason why Jesus says these things. He says, judge not and you won't be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, shaken down, pressed together, poured out into your lap. Because the measure by which you measure other people, it will be measured back to you. I mean, Jesus is so clear. And it sounds impossible. <laughs> This is really hard talk. And one of the things I can know about this as a person who has entered the foray of scholarship, I mean, you, could, you could read all of the books about this text, you could translate it, you could read the whole history of interpretation, you could spend all of your life scholarly pursuing every line of this and still never grasp it. Do you know what I mean? Still never live it. Do you know what I mean? Know all the right things to say, but not represent it. Do you know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure that if Jesus after it, is after anything, he's not after the knowledge of it. He's after our experience of it. And that's what I'm talking about. For just a second, I want you to think about this text for a second. And I want you to consider its voice. Consider the voice of the text. Because not a single one of us reads this like a robot. If you're at home and you open this Bible up and you read it, right, just as is the black and the white, you read it. It doesn't sound like a robot, does it? It has inflection, doesn't it? It has a kind of sound to it. Even as I read it, I didn't just read, judge not and you will not be judged, condemn not and you will not be condemned, forgiven, you will be forgiven. Like that's how five-year-olds read, right, because they're just trying to get through it. But you all read it and you inflect it. We make noises. We, is it, is it, is it, is it? commanding you? Is it demanding from you? Is it threatening you? Is it inviting you? Is it open and welcoming to you? Is it inviting you to see something good? Or is it telling you, hey, you haven't been doing enough. It's time for you to start forgiving. It's time for you to start giving. How do you hear this text? Let me give you a, a, a non-Bible answer because I feel like I'm being obscure. Uh, I was talking with a friend about a TV show. Here's the text that we're talking back and forth on. Um, and uh, you're going to be distracted, so everybody look at it for a second. Let's get it over with. All right. So we're talking about a TV show that included Sister Mary. And, uh, and the question is that the, char- the main character uh, is, is um, uh, an orphan. And so as the conversation goes, I, I think it'd be hard to be left for adoption. I know you were adopted, me personally speaking to me, but it's kind of different. And here's my answer. Now, what does that say to you? I was totally messing with her, FYI. 
Because this could be one of two things. Could it, it could be, it could be, it is. It is. Oh, my, my experience is different. It wasn't like me just being half adopted isn't adopted enough for you, right? Am I offended? Am I hurt? Am I wondering? Or is it, it is. You're right. Because when she responded, clearly it was a question mark. <laughs> right? This is, this is how we interact. We give voice to texts. One of the most interesting things about the Bible is not so much what you read, but what you hear. So what do you hear? What you hear and how you hear it might tell us more about you than anything else that we could do. Because the voice of the text matters. The voice of the text matters. And what is the voice of this text? I think that the voice of this text is a grand and glorious invitation. I think it is God opening his arms wide and saying, listen, y'all are children. Relax. I think it is God inviting us to see something beautiful. There is an invitation here. Judge not. And what happens? I had an interesting experience this morning where I confessed something that was very deep and dark and a secret that I have kept from all you all. I confessed it to a person in this church this morning. You know what that person did immediately after? Guess what they did? They said something to me about their own brokenness. Because the minute you take the opportunity to say, yeah, I got nothing to judge you for, the person is now able to say, oh, they're not going to judge me. If we spend less of our time condemning, we can spend more of our time forgiving. If we spend less of our time judging, we can spend more of our time giving. And, and, and if we did that, we could, we could have this experience of amazing abundance, of amazing abundance. Do you, do you see this line? It's, it's all kind of agricultural and, and maybe distant from us, but a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, it's running over and we just plop it in your lap. That sounds like the voice of hope. Sounds like the voice of mercy. That sounds like the voice of joy. That sounds like the voice of grace. This is the voice of invitation. It sounds like a people who could be called together and around each other and begin to support one another and confess to one another and do all these kinds of really difficult, painful things. But we'll never get to those deep, difficult, painful things. We'll never expose the places of ourselves that God wants most to expose and transform if we're so afraid of speaking the truth truth because as soon as we speak the truth we'll be told how wrong we are we'll never speak the truth if we know the answer imagine if i could come in here and confess any sin from this stage with a mic and i know that i could walk down and y'all would just meet me with hugs not to say go forth and do the same thing you did last week not to redo the things that you've been doing but an honest repentance of saying i failed last week is that okay and all y'all, I knew, I knew, all y'all would say, yeah, it's okay. How many failures would I expose to you? How much comfort? Can, you guys bring so much stuff 
into this church every Sunday. So many things I don't know. So many things no one knows. So many fears and pains and doubts that never get exposed, never see the light of day, never receive any healing. And the problem, I think, that Jesus is trying to solve here, the invitation he is trying to say here is that the first step is learning how to just love people for who they are. And the second step is, okay, what's breaking us? What do we need to be forgiven for? Those are questions that follow. They have to follow. Think about how they followed in your own life. Think about what drew you to Jesus. Was it not for God so loved the world that he gave what? That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And what joy the next sentence, the next words out of Jesus' mouth. I didn't come into the world to condemn you. What do you think I'm here to do? I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to save you. And didn't you hear that voice? And didn't you say, I don't know what that means, and I really don't know what the cost is, but I hear it, and it's pure, and it's crystalline, and it's something that I've never heard, and whatever that thing is, I must chase it. Wasn't it the voice of love that called you? My friends, if you have a real and genuine concern for your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and your family, if you really do believe in this, this thing, the first thing people need to interact with is love. And that might sound soft to some of you, but it is not. There is nothing more dangerous than love. And that is why we flee from it our entire lives. That's why we run from it. Every time we want to pick Ezri up while she's screaming and thrashing on the ground, and I'm like, let me give you comfort. No! Mommy will do it! And then mommy comes in and she says, no! And I mean, like, like, let me just pick you up. You're freaking, just take the nap. What's wrong with you? I'd pay for a nap right now. We do these things. We know what will comfort us, but we resist it. And we resist it because love means we must expose ourselves to the threat of being wounded again. And that is why we judge. Because you've spent your whole life protecting yourself from the world. And you walk in here and listen to some guy on stage and he says, stop protecting yourself. And you say, well, that's a stupid idea. I'm not going to do that. So the guy standing up here says, listen, church. If we really want to invite people to know Jesus, we have to start here. And what a wonderful relief. I mean, how, what, what a burden. You are now responsible for judging other people's sins? What a burden that is. Man, I'm so glad that's God's and not mine. I love an invitation here. The invitation, don't judge. People won't judge you. Isn't that the way it is? Haven't you ever met somebody who has done something nice for you out of the blue? Maybe it was a person, maybe it was a waiter, maybe it was a family member, maybe it was your wife or your husband. Somebody just does something nice out of the blue. What is your immediate thought? Yeah, shucks, what a good guy. And don't you immediately think, I, I'd like to do something for him or her. You immediately want to reciprocate the gift that you've been given. You want to respond grace for grace. 
And so when we judge each other, what happens? We judge each other back. We create these cycles and systems of brokenness. And Jesus says, hey, listen, y'all let it go. Don't judge. You won't judge. Don't be condemned. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and we give them back to you. And this is the challenge of love because it exposes us to such immense possibility for pain. And that is why it is so important that we see this as an invitation. We hear the voice of the text. That we see we see how love opens you up. Doesn't love just open you up? Doesn't kindness just open you up? Doesn't gentleness, somebody's gentleness just open you up? Do you see what love does? It's power to transform. Love is power. Joy is power. Hope is power. It is what pushes you through those waters. While everyone else is drowning, you have a church beside you, and together you are working through this very, very hard thing we call life. That is the power of this text. An invitation to a community that doesn't fear, that doesn't judge, that doesn't condemn, that doesn't hate, that doesn't work all these things out in the same way, but rather captures this vision, this beautiful, beautiful vision. That would be my invitation to you today. As you consider your own life I don't want you to look at yourself and say, well, how have I been judging people? How have I condemning people? Like, maybe, you, maybe that's true, but let's set that aside for a second. Let me just invite you to be a part of a church where not that you need to stand up here and tell everybody your sins, but a church where we just kind of say together, we're going to do our best to immediately forgive all wrongs. Can we just do that? Let's forgive all wrongs. And let's immediately begin to say, how can I give how can I give of myself? When somebody comes to you, how, how can I help? How can I give? How can I pour out of myself? Because I recognize that, that there is a practical response in which when I give of myself, other people give back to me. But that's not meant to create a kind of selfishness, but for us to recognize how God has built into creation, into reality itself, grace. Do you see that? The fact that you want to respond with grace when grace shows up at your door tells me that God has built into the thread and fabric of all of reality, including us, grace. And that grace is inviting you to meet God and to receive love and to recognize your brokenness does not define everything that's going to go forward, but rather God can take every ounce of brokenness and heal it. And that one of the primary ways that God heals our brokenness is by us being church. My favorite thing in the past few weeks while I was gone away from you uh, was not this morning. Actually, last Sunday, I got to sit in that back pew, and I just watched y'all filter in and hug each other. And it brought me, I'm not joking, this is not hyperbole, it brought me to tears just watching you guys love each other. And that, brothers and sisters, is what saved our souls. And that is what will continue to save souls.